You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Life's more fun when you're out finding adventure together, and the new Santa Fe is designed to help you get more out of that quality time. The Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV with intuitive technology. The newly designed Santa Fe offers H-Track all-wheel drive capability, intuitive tech, and safety features to get you where you're going with confidence and the personalized style to do it your own way. An SUV with family fun in mind that proves that out together is truly better. It's got H-Track all-wheel drive, dynamic safety features, dual blind spot view monitor, and user profiles with a 10.25-inch full-touch infotainment screen. To learn more, go to Hyundai.com. Honey Girl, a coming-of-age debut by Morgan Rogers, follows a young black woman just finishing her Ph.D. in astronomy who impulsively gets married in Vegas and decides to leave her perfectly ordered life for a summer in New York with the wife she barely knows. Honey Girl is available now wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hello, we're back. We're back. Today we are covering Lovecraft Country Episode 6, Meet Me in Daegu. And as you all know, those that have been following along, this is my favorite episode of the season. So I'm super duper excited to dive into this mini film within the series. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Um, So what were your first thoughts on this episode? Uh, we already know we already had my favorite episode, but we this do. episode to me was um, besides the whole like I always call it the Jurassic Park scene they had in the first one when they had all those the the weird creatures in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this one was the like visually stunning episode. I really liked there were there was like a lot of stuff. Some stuff you probably didn't want to look at for too long. Let's be honest, but yeah. there was some stuff in there that you that I thought was really cool. And, you know, it's just another testament to how this show is just a different show within itself. Like each episode, you can just get lost in whatever they want to tell for the episode. So, yeah, I like that about it. Yeah, it's definitely a genre bender. So this was like a 1950s love story set in a time of war uh, with a supernatural twist. Um, So I really enjoyed the episode. Up until this point, we had been getting glimpses of Gia, who is played by Jamie Chung. Um, but we've never really gotten to see much of her story. She was first we saw her as an alien in um in in Tick's dream, and then we would hear her as this mysterious voice on the phone. And I think at one point she tried to kill him 
in one of his visions. Um, but we we now we get to see like the real Gia. So I was super duper excited to kind of see her life unfold. Um, so we first. Well, one, let's let's talk about the title card. So when you first watch the episode, you don't realize what you're looking at. It looked like plants or some type of foliage. But after watching the episode, you realize, or on a second rewatch, you realize that it's actually the tails. <laughs> so like yeah, and nine I, tails. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say too, apparently it was like Hongo characters and um, it means nine-tailed fox in Korean, mm-hmm. like Korean folk tales. I didn't even know that. I was like, see, this is why you got to go back and do a second rewatch and pay attention. Because at first I was just like, what is happening with this title card? Yeah, so you realize it's like the little furry tales. And like low-key, um, we'll talk about why we're talking about nine tails. But it's also a Pokemon character, by the way. Now you can be like, oh hey, my gosh. Yeah, it's a Pokemon. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I like 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 you said, uh, my first thoughts on this episode, I really enjoyed it. It was like a little mini movie. Um, definitely props to Jamie Chung for bringing it as far as the acting category. She kind of started off in reality TV and like the real world real world San Diego. So now seeing how far she's come since then, it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch. Um and she's one of my favorite people on social media. I follow her on Instagram. So it was nice to see her kind of blossom. And so we open up this episode. I call it Let's Go to the Movies. Like, let's go to the movies. You know, it's where you get away. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so we open with Gia. Um, she's in a movie theater watching Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, starring oh, hold on. Judy real quick. Garland. Let me do Because you know oh, I always oh. forget. You know yes. I always forget. Let me do um let me do the book real quick for you guys because first of all, they are totally not following this anymore. They're like picking like little characters and objects. So let me do it real quick just so mm-hmm. y'all not like, why she throw this at the end? Because it had nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> but so the chapter, <laughs> the chapter for this book is called The Narrow House or where you're supposed to be. And by the way, I've skipped the Hippolyta chapter until we get to her epic uh, episode that's coming up. I'm gonna go back to that one. Mm-hmm. So basically we got like three chapters I haven't covered yet. But anyway, so the narrow <laughs> house is about um Henry Withrow, Henry Renthoff who is Hiram Winthrop's son in this one. And so basically Caleb uh, Braithwaite um, is sending, um, let me see, he's sending Montrose and he's sending Atticus to find um, Henry because he wants, of course, his magical spell books and everything because it's all about the order and keeping everybody in check. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Montrose is all about protecting his son. So basically you get to have them on this cool adventure going to find Henry, which, by the way, ends up dead. So there's a little mystery in that. And okay. um, so basically you got Montrose talking to like a ghost pretty much and trying to figure out more ways to kind of get Caleb, um, you know, get rid of him basically and get all the magical notebooks and everything. So it's real cool. I mean, it's a cool twist. You get to hear more about Montrose's father that we don't get a lot in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe they mentioned him a couple times, like some episodes, but you don't really get a lot of in-depth, but it explains a lot to me in, in my eyes why Montrose is how he is. Yeah. So um, you get a lot of that. But yeah, it's just cool. It's a little cool magical adventure there. Some new characters they kind of bring in and mix it up a little bit. But yeah, they're totally not even. They're just picking like little myths, myths and everything from there to for the episodes. But they're kind of doing their own thing for the TV series compared okay. to the book now. So, from so there you I... go. I'm done. I'm done talking. <laughs> so from <laughs> what I gather, Gia's uh, essential uh, becoming or origin story isn't really touched on in the books. 
Yeah, I don't like, yeah, like nobody, hopefully nobody hold me to this because you know I know people like to get crunk about how books and TV match. I feel okay. like it's I feel like there's a there's an episode coming up that's talking about like a, a ghost doll or mystical doll. I don't know if there might be a way to tie that into this or something they were pulling off of. Okay. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know next episode if I end up finding something about her. But but so far, nothing. I haven't seen anything so far about her. So there's no Gia so far at all. Yes. In so far, I have not seen. Yes. So I'm hoping maybe, I, like I said, I got three chapters. I'm crossing my okay. fingers. I hope they got something. Maybe they got something from the book. But maybe the store winner was just like, you know what? I'm going to give you a little twist. Or it could be the fact that they chose to have some Asian representation on the show because Tick fought in the Korean War. And so they kind of wanted to tie it in and kind of give someone like Jamie Chung some love. Uh, Hey, I love that. There you go. Which I'm happy with because this was a phenomenal episode. So so we open, like I said, with Meet Me in St. Louis, which is a a classic film um, starring Judy Garland. Uh, so she's alone in the theater apart from this couple who are apparently making out in the corner. And you can see like like the joy in her eyes as she's watching this film. And then when the couple leaves, I guess, to do what they want to do because they can't do it in a movie theater, um, <laughs> Gia lights up and she gets up in the middle of the aisle and starts to dance and perform the trolley song like to the T uh, of Judy Garland's performance. But it's all in her head. <laughs> she's actually still in the seat and she's just imagining this. Um, but it kind of gives you a, a taste of uh, a Broadway Jamie or Gia, I should say. Yeah, um, love it. So we next we do see her next in front of a mirror kind of performing, but quietly. So she's still humming the trolley song and she meets. So we know that it is now the fall of 1949. So a few years before the events of the series and they're in Daegu, South Korea, hence meet me in Daegu, meet me in St. Louis. So Gia's mother, Uma, well, Uma is mother in Korean, but we'll call her Uma. I think her name is soon. He, but Uma, who is played by Cindy Chang, meets her in the courtyard and she's trying out this new recipe using pumpkin for their broth so that their kimchi doesn't go bad so quickly. And we learned that they're kind of in dire, dire straits. Like they have been struggling for a long time now. They're essentially shunned by the rest of the community because of the death of Uma's husband and we, we don't really know exactly why a, a husband's death would affect them like that to the point that they don't have food for the winter and if this batch goes bad but there's something to like their their story and we learned about that later um and so Gia kind of is telling her mother like look I know we're not really liked right now but I'm going to school. My degree is going to bring respect back to the family. And it's something that we know in Asian communities. I mean, ugh, the little that that I personally know would be watching Mulan. And, and you know, they're very big on honor and family and, and the traditional family structure. And so if anything goes outside of that, then they're essentially dishonored. So Gia's like, nope, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to be a nurse. <laughs> We're going to bring honor back to the family. So no more like dishonor, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. Nope, none of that. So, so the mom says like the weirdest thing. She says, the only way this family will be whole again is if you bring another man home. And I was like, huh? That, yeah, I mean, that's heavy. even in my, you know, traditional black Puerto Rican family, um, I was never encouraged by my parents to bring no man home. 
that is not how you bring honor to the family. So I was just like, interesting. All right, let's let's keep it going. Um, so we learned that Gio's a nursing student and she doesn't really quite fit in. And the rest of the ladies or the, the women that are also nurses in training are all like, I don't know, gossiping about boys. And one of the young ladies, uh, her name is Young Ja, played by Priska Pim. She's rumored to be bringing her new beau to this meeting, which mm-hmm. um, turns out to be speed dating. But as, you know, the girls are like grilling her like, ooh, so you went out with him last night. What was that about? And Young Ja isn't really... She's not really about that life. She's like, you know, I'm not really interested in men. You can take that for whatever way you want. Um, I have other priorities. And then she kind of like looks at Gia from across the way, like real chiggly. So you don't even know what that is, but you're just like, okay, they're kind of drawn to each other. So later that night, they're at the meeting, or I guess that's what they call speed dating. And Gia is striking out. <laughs> like she This was like a horrible speed dating experience. Like it's it was so rough. It's so rough. I felt so and you bad. get to cross the people out. Like how rude. Like, can't you just pretend like you kind of like the person? Like I, right. I don't like how they had the card up and was just like yeah crossing it, it, crossing it out like come on now cross it out the number come on now bro that's it's rude i don't know i felt it was rude i felt it was a little deep i felt a little bad for her yeah because she was basically kind of quoting these lines from these movies that she loved so much but it just wasn't landing you know she they were they didn't get it so her last date does to a degree get it he also loves judy garland he's also loved all these american films and they seem to connect but then he crosses her name off <laughs> at the end of the night <laughs> and goes Jeez. off and, and asks a young jaw out to coffee. So <laughs> Gia's like, fuck. Because her mom told yeah. her she needed to bring a man home. Bring a man home. So young jaw's like, do you want to go with us to coffee? Because this guy is duller than ditch water. And <laughs> Gia's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be a third wheel. And my mom told me I need to bring somebody home. And so uh, Young Jaw's kind of funny. She's like, what? Your mom thought you were going to be able to bring home one of these nerdy engineers? She thinks y'all were going to connect? That would be a miracle. She's like, come on, live a little. And she like grabs her hand. And Gia's like, no, my mom really wants me to bring someone home. She's demanding this of me. She just wants what's best for me. And young Ja tells her, like, look, your parents don't always know what's best for you. Sometimes it's they're doing what's best for them. You can't let their fears shape who you are. And you know what? Gia's like, all right, I'm ready. So they, you know, she goes off to be third wheel with uh, young Ja on her date and to drink coffee. Um, So I'm not sure if this is within the same night, but the next scene we see her at a bar and this man is singing Consuelo Velasquez's Besame Mucho, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, <laughs> they're, they're in I'm just, I'm just, I'm just loving how you pronounce that name because I would have been like, mm, I'm gonna get a little close to it. I'm you know, I'm Puerto Rican or whatever. Um, but he was like, Besame, Besame Mucho. <laughs> That's really the only. Line. I know you. I know he's gonna sing for us. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, apparently, it was one of the most popular songs in the 20th century, so and it's been covered by like everybody and their mom. So this was fitting that even. Okay. I'm gonna need a- you to make sure you end the episode with singing the rest of it. Okay, okay so she fit it out. Good out. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. But yeah, it's kind of fitting that even in a Korean bar, 
in the 1950s, they're singing the song as a cover. A cover band is singing the song. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's all red. So it's kind of reminding me of the silhouette challenge. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Doja uh-huh. Cat. So, um, so Gia's sitting at this bar and she's by herself and she catches the eye of a young man. And he's played by James Kyson. If you ever have watched Heroes on NBC, he was one of the characters. He was Hito's best friend. Um, so she invites him back to the house. She has a nice little setup in this grand room. You know, she lights one candle, all the candles light up. It's, it's you know, it's about to go down. Um, <laughs> she seems kind of innocent and kind of like bright eyed and bushy tailed, uh, no pun intended. And <laughs> you get, you got that. No pun intended, but you yeah. know, she seems to also be a seductress. Cause she like takes her clothes off and she just looks at him in the eye and then she gets on the bed and like beckons to him. And then he takes his clothes off and they, you know, they get to doing the do. And as he orgasms, she like, I don't know how to describe this, but it's a bunch of yeah. like hairy tails coming yeah. out of all of her orifices. So we're talking her nostrils, her mouth, her oh. eyes, her ears. You, you know, you got two holes down there. Sorry to be gross, but all the orifices, um, they all these nine tails, I guess, connect and stab this guy in his orifices, and then they're somehow soul tied, like literally. Oh, 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 oh. And she sees his whole life before him, so she sees you know him as a baby getting married. So you know he's a cheating ass man he out here in these streets cheating on his wife. Um, then she discovers that he climbed a mountaintop and he yells like, and then she's like, "Ah!" and then he blows up and there's blood everywhere. I need to see this. I need to see how this ended because it was a lot, but I do think it's interesting how they put it. Cause you know, we like, from what you hear, I don't know exactly how in depth it is. But in Asian cultures, it's always about, you know, that family having the husband, the wife, the kids, mm-hmm. you know, how much the parents put on, you know, the kids to make that happen. Like this has to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting that this was a twist they put on it, so to speak. Like this is another reason why she had to have a guy coming home. Because, you know, when you start out, you just think like traditional. OK, she's of a certain age. Her mom wants to get her to, mar- wants her to get married. But when this goes down, you like, hmm. Okay, so we're not actually talking about the traditional bringing the guy home. Right. Yeah, like I thought for a minute she was a lady of the night. Like, oh, she's a prostitute on the side. Got it. You know, because, you know, they had so many things. Yeah. They're struggling to like make ends meet and she's still in school. So, you know, strippers, you know, strippers go and get their college degrees. I'm like, okay, you know, she's out here doing the thing. Um, but it turns out she's like a whole supernatural creature with nine tails that elevates men when she climaxes. So oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, that's only a Lovecraft uh, country twist. Yep. Yep. That's, that's Lovecraft for you. So the deed is done. You know, she's covered in his blood. Um, Uma appears in the doorway and she just says like very obviously 10 more. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So uh, (laughs) later, Gia goes to see Easter Parade. So it is now the summer of 1950. Um, But her moment of joy is kind of interrupted by the occupation of American soldiers. And so they're handing out flyers saying, there's nothing to fear. The United States is here. And it's kind of funny. I like how the segue goes from her looking at the flyers and then Uma using the flyers as um, 
kindling for her cooking fires, flyers, mm, fires. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so she makes her a special meal. And Gia's like, it's not, you know, it's not New Year's. Why are you making this? And she's like, oh, didn't you remember? It's your birthday. So they have the meal together. And Gia tells her, like, I remember this was one of your husband's favorite meals. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you remembered that. And Gia reveals that she remembers everything when she takes your soul and, you know, absorbs your energy. She also gets your memories. So all of Uma's husband's memories are are within Gia. Uh, so we actually learned that Gia is a Kamuho, um, summoned by a Mudang, which is a shaman. So the Kamiho is a fox spear with nine tails that inhabits the body of a beautiful girl, and it must devour the soul of a hundred men. Once it does that, the spirit will leave the body and the human will return. Um, and so basically, this is why Uma is encouraging her this whole time to get all basically rack up all these bodies. Um, so that she can go back to being a human. And it doesn't look like Gia's too thrilled about doing that. And she's just like, okay, well, I got to go to work. <laughs> See you later, yeah. Ma. So at the hospital, Gia and Young Ja struggle with this really aggressive soldier whose femur looks like it's broken in half and needs to be reset. So they're trying, struggling to hold him down. And he ends up twisting uh, Gia's arm, looks like to the point that it, I don't know if it was dislocated, but it was pretty bad. So young Ja sedates him, gets him calm, you know, makes sure G is okay. And then she ends up walking across the way and talking to an orderly, but they're like whispering. And G is like real nosy. Like she catches up on things all the time. Um, and so later that night, they're walking back home from work. And Gia asks, like, is the orderly your new boyfriend? Because I saw you whispering with him. And you know, young Jaws like, well, if you like him, because he's not my type, but if you like him, I'll set you up. I know your mom wants you to bring someone home so bad. I was like, mm, like, don't do it, don't do it. Gia's like, no, I don't think mom would approve. And she's like, well, why not? Because he's a communist. And that's when young Jaws kind of gets upset and she pulls her to the side and she's just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Be quiet. And she's like, look, I know you guys were talking about communist stuff. I don't care that you're different. I still care about you. You know, I'm different too. And she tells her, you know, my mom is trying to change me into someone that I don't want to be. And then young Jaws like super encouraging, like best friend type. Like, you know what, girl, don't change. Your mama can't control you. Do you, boo-boo, basically. Um, (laughs) So they're having this nice, (laughs) you know, cute, sweet moment together as friends. And then this truck comes down the street with this man in the back. And they just like have a public execution, like right in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, you know? that was whew, that was brutal. That and was brutal. they they just hang him basically in the middle of the street. And Young Ja is uh, Young Ja obviously believes in communist ideals, so this is probably one of her comrades that gets murdered in the streets. And she's upset because she's like, at the end of the day, I'm tired of being vilified for my different belief systems. We're all still humans, right? And I'm even more angry at the fact that these American soldiers who are supposed to protect us are just watching this all unfold and so gia spots one of the americans looking on they like connect they catch eyes and then she catches him so she takes him home we don't get to see what happens but we know what happens because it's all bloody Uh the room is all bloody and uma's super happy she's like oh you got you an american girl go ahead and she's like (laughs) cleaning all the blood yeah i never seen nobody that happy cleaning the blood i was like okay 
yep 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 i was like all right sis and she said she's happily cleaning up all this blood and she's like you know what you just need one more soul so obviously between the time that we saw gia take her first soul within the episode to now i think it was like 10 bodies down so now she just has Mm -hmm. one um and while they're cleaning up gia kind of says you know and she like loves to randomly mention this husband character she's like you know i know that he loved me and Uma's like, the soldier? You just met him. She's like, no, your husband, my father. I know that he loved me. I remember, I, I have his memories. And she's like, why Why was his love wrong? I need you to help me understand. There's so many different forms of love. So you, we have to understand that Gia is not technically a human. And I guess that's a fair question to have. Like, what's appropriate love? What's good love? What's bad love? And so um, Uma tells her, like, my husband hurt my daughter. And as a result of that, I summoned the the Kumiho, and obviously the Kumiho took him out, and there was a, a a big price to pay, and it was it was way too high. And Gia's like, you know, you want me, you wanted me to kill him because he was a monster, but yet you want me to kill like a monster in order to be human again. And the mom's like, I just want my daughter back. So they kind of have like this whole big disagreement because Gia's like, I don't want to take any more souls. And her mom's like, you need to do it. And like low key, it's kind of selfish, don't you think? Like she kind of caused all of this in a in a way. Um, so anyways, Uma's like, I want my daughter back. I see parts of her in you. And Gia starts to sing this song and the mom's like, see, I, you know, I knew it. I knew you can remember. And she's like, no, bitch, essentially, excuse my language. She was like, the only reason why I remember this song is because it's a song your daughter hummed and sang to herself when your husband raped her. And the only reason why I know that is because it's through his, his memories and you only married him because he would give you status and he knew he could prey on you because you had a child out of wedlock. So you turned a blind eye just for the sake of your own protection and hurt your daughter in the process. Yeah. I, I like in. how they broke down. Yeah. I, I like how they broke down just like the, and she was like, listen, you want me to be human, but there's a lot of stuff here that I don't know if I want some of these, you know, when some of the guys that she was killing, she was like, like you said, she could see their visions. sees the kind of dirt and kind of stuff they did in the past. And she's like, so you want me to do this because, you know, like the whole, it's like really breaking down, you know, like you're saying, what is, what's acceptable? What is love? What is acceptable in love? What is acceptable as a human that you put up with that you think is okay? Right. And you asking her to take this on and it's just like, all she see is like worst case after worst case. Right. Right. Exactly. And the thing is like, you summoned me, you, I'm supposed to be this harbinger, this, this, uh, you know, this vigilante for lack of a better word to take out all these terrible men but you're making me a monster in the process and then you don't love me because i'm a monster even though you created all this drama you know because you couldn't you couldn't hoof it on your own as a single mom right and so it it was a lot i was like you know what i felt for uma but at the same time i'm like do you really yeah yeah she's bringing up some points that it's just like that scene that scene was epically powerful that was like the scene where you waiting for years to say something to somebody yeah and you like look i'm getting tired of you saying this over and over again let me just go ahead and put it on the line what i've noticed like let me tell you something right <laughs> okay. right exactly that's what that scene was yeah <laughs> um so this this next bite we're gonna call love and war and actually the the last one was best i'm in mucho but because of the song title but anyways so this is love and war 
Um, so the, we assume a few days later, the nurses are brought to a checkpoint and they're interrogated by soldiers. So this scene was actually pretty unnerving for me. There's a bunch of innocent yes. nurses lined up on their knees. The soldiers are interrogating them. They're like, we know there's a, a spy amongst you. The information is only getting linked between this time and this time. So that tells me it's your shift. So instead of just like getting to the bottom of who it is, they just start shooting random nurses, like boom boom and we see tick for the first time the entire episode and our first First time i wanted to punch him yeah our first introduction is him (laughs) shooting a nurse in the head and like the blood exploding onto uh gia's innocent face and i was just like oh my god all right so he cocks the, and it's almost like this is the first time you see tick kind of dead in that like he's dead in the eyes like he's not he's not the tick that we know exactly he's just like a soldier following orders who's like dead inside um and he does not hesitate at all aiming the gun not at all just like oh is this working okay we're ready okay shoot shoot um pew pew aims the gun right at gia and obviously young john's not gonna let that go down so she gets it right in the one she's like look i'm the spy i'm the spy i did it so they take her away and Gia, st- or Gia starts screaming. She's like, no, bring her back. I mean, rightfully so. That's her best friend. That's literally the only yeah. person that has ever exactly. cared about her mm-hmm. her entire life. So naturally, um, she's distraught. So she's left there helpless. Then we kind of go to fall of 1950. Gia stands in front of a theater, you know, her, her escape, which is now closed because the owner was a communist sympathizer. So it's shut down. So she has nowhere to escape now. She's just dealing with her life. She's back at the hospital and she spots Tick. And anger just pours into her. Like she's so consumed with anger. She can't even stay at work. She goes outside (laughs) to kind of calm herself down. And her hands are like drenched in blood. And I'm sure in that moment she wishes it was Tick's blood. So you're like... But see, as a viewer, you kind of agree with her. Like... is a horrible that's human true. being right now. <laughs> yeah, like, that's why I said this is like the one the rare time you want to punch him. You just like I don't like this form of tick that I'm seeing right now. Like I was literally like, they gonna do this to us? This is where we going right now with the series because I didn't know what was coming. You know, we don't know what was coming next. So right. I, yeah, I was pretty mad. I was pretty mad at this scene. I could feel her on that one. Yeah, I would have to step I mean, outside too. And we kind of it's alluded to that tick did some monstrous things while he was at war but we actually usually in stories when they talk about oh that's in my past you don't see their past <laughs> we right, actually saw exactly. what Tick was doing um and so she spots him from across the way and she's angry so she comes back in i guess later on that night and she sees him being a big old crybaby because he is beat up he got blown up um, he's he, he he he's like injured. His head is wrapped. His arms are wrapped. His glasses are shattered. He can't read. Yeah, so then he starts crying because he can't read. I was like, I should not mm. feel bad for you. And Gia just had like just he went into that ugly cry. He ugly cried, and Gia had that hate in her eyes. Like I'm going to kill this mother effer if it's yep. the last thing I do. So she like, keep crying, keep crying. So she sets her plan in motion, and she goes home and tells Uma like, look. I'm going to kill you an American. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. No problem. Definitely want to kill this man. So she pops back over at the hospital, kind of starts to like befriend him. Like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna change your sheets. And then Tick's like, oh, okay, I'll help you. And she's like, no, you don't have to do it. He's like, I, I need something to do. 
And so they, okay. they clean the, you know, they clean off the bed together. And then he asked her like, Hey, can you read this book to me? I can't read because my glasses were shattered in an explosion. And she decides to be like really mean to him. And she just spoils the ending of the book. <laughs> it was the Count of Monte Cristo. And he's like, I only have a few chapters left. Can you read this to me? And she's like, well, Edgar defeats his enemy and runs away with Mercedes. The end. Hmm. And I was like, that was rude. That was uncalled for. You don't spoil now, now we stuff. Know, we know now, listen, we know she's still a little bad. She's still a little bit heated. So you know she's going to take some shots. I guess. But you can't it's just be good. spoiling I mean, books. No, but hey, we just be lucky that she didn't take the crush and try to knock him off while he stood up on the crush or something. I'm just saying. Look, I have a friend. His name is Emmanuel. You know who you are, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the worst spoiler of all time. He has spoiled countless shows and movies for me. Because I'll be like, don't even talk to me before you watch something. Because you know I'm about to watch it. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to spoil it. And then he does it every time. You're a spoiler. Anyways. Um... Listen, stop spoiling stuff, Angelica. Let her look at it. But then he get mad at me because we sometimes I'll, I'll talk about a show, but I'll only mention what's in the trailer because you know it's not a spoiler when it's in the promotion. Right, it's in the trailer. Yeah. And he's like, I don't watch spoiler. I mean, I don't watch trailers, so you're spoiling it for me. I'm like, are you serious? You spoiled Rubberman for me in Watchmen. Like he just showed me a picture of Rubberman, and I oh, even, come on now, that's dirty. I wasn't even shocked by Rubberman because I already saw him, and I'm like, see, you just a spoiler. But anyways, <laughs> off that tangent. Clearly, I feel a way about spoilers. Um, oh, man. Anywho, where, where was I at? Any, so, oh, we're talking about uh, watching spoiling, spoiling book. book. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Tick tells her, like, oh, that's cute or whatever, but you spoiled the movie. The ending of the book is different. He don't end up with Mercedes. See, this is why you need to read me the book. And she's just like, oh, okay, well, I gotta go on my break. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's what you do after you realize your burn didn't work. Right. So you just be like, you just kind of, you try to come up with something real quick and then be like, okay, I'm just going to exit out, you know, cause that didn't work out. But you know, she tried, she had a little comeback. She, she didn't kill him. Cause we could have, we know what would have went down though. So she didn't kill him. She could have killed him. Right. So later on there in the courtyard playing ball, he introduces her to one of his uh, fellow soldiers and he happens to be Korean American. And he's like, you know, they joke about the fact that she spoiled the book for him and she had a very strong opinion about Alexander Dumas and um, you know his style of writing and fun fact Alexander Dumas was rumored to be at least half black a black man so he was a successful obviously wrote the three musketeers the count of Monte Cristo I forget what else he wrote but look him up Alexander Dumas um so they talk about the book and then she asked them to do they since they're American she's like so do you guys know Judy Garland and they start to laugh. So Tick was like, well, the only way that I would know Judy Garland is if I were his, you know, her butler and then he was her chauffeur. And she's like, what? What do you mean? And she, they explained to her that in America, people of color are treated differently than everyone else. And so, you know, she asked his friend, she was just like, well, you know, if you stayed here, you would belong. You're Korean. He's like, no, because back home, I'm something else. I'm, I'm a foreigner. And here I'm a foreigner, too. I don't belong anywhere. So then she's like, well, why would you fight a war for a country that doesn't think you belong to them? And he's like, I was drafted. I didn't choose to be here. But this guy volunteered. So Tick volunteered. So we learned that Tick volunteered for the war to get away from his life, from his father, from all these things he was running away from. When he was a kid, he read books, but now the war was his way to get out. And still he's going back to books. And Gia herself 
watch movies to get away from her life. So they kind of have parallels. And later on that day, she reads to him finally. And they also kind of bond on the fact that their parents are people that are difficult to live with, are people that want to shape them into becoming something they're not. And then she kind of quotes um, Young Ja when she says, you know, we can't let their fears shape us anymore. So they kind of have a lot of things in common, even though they're from completely different parts of the world, completely different cultures. So I was like, okay, not bad. We, I, I see she kind of liking him a little bit. This is not just a game. Yeah, anymore. I like that. Yeah, I like they have the different cultures, and they like, look, you can you can coexist. You, you got this going on. So I like yeah. it. The only thing that was kind of painful to listen to was when she quoted Young Ja, and Tick was like, "That's that's really great. Where'd you learn that from?" She's like, "Oh, my best friend." And he was like, "Oh, I would love to meet your best friend one day." Yeah, yeah. awkward. <laughs> that's that, that. Yeah, that's that. Definitely that awkward silence. That's that. All she right. just kept on reading. She was just now like, or do I finish the book? Or like, what's happening? Well, she just went ahead and finished the book. She was like, anyway, <laughs> I'd be like, you killed her. Okay. <laughs> you killed her. You can't meet her. She's dead. Yeah. I, I really, yeah. I was like, girl, just go ahead and blurt it out. We all know. We all know. Just go ahead and do it. Just let it out. So uh, a few nights later, Tick invites her to base. And the only way that she's really allowed on the base is if she's perceived to be a comfort woman. A lady of the night, a prostitute. Well, I thought she was originally, but she's not. And <laughs> it turns out Tick was doing something sweet for her. He treats her to a private screening of Summer Stock, courtesy of Uncle George, who had some connections. Uncle George with the hookup. Uncle George with the hookup. And they kiss for the first time. They're just like, oh, as they're watching another Judy Garland film. <laughs> and she invites him back to her home. And you can see in her eyes, she's ready to take him down. Take that for what you want. Um, so they start to kiss. <laughs> take him down, take him out, whatever. So they start to kiss. And then Tick is like, wait, I just want you to know I'm a virgin. And she was like, oh, well, I'm not. And then tries to hop back on him. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. I just, I just want you to know, like, when I'm with you, all the horrible things that I've done, I can forget them because you see the good in me. And they kiss, and they start to get going again. But Gia feels them daggone tails coming out of her. So she tells him, get out, get out. And then Uma comes in. And Uma's yeah, like, good things. what are you doing here? You're supposed to be killing this man. And then she's <laughs> like, I don't understand why you're even hesitating to do this. How can you love a man that killed your best friend? And so they end up beefing. But they always beefing. But anyways. That's yeah, true, yeah. So Gia goes back to the base to talk to him, and he's just like, "You gotta go." And so she kind of just blurts it out, "You killed my best friend." And he was like, "She was a communist sympathizer." And what? You knew this this whole time. You never told me. Like you made me care for you. And she's like, "Well, I wanted to kill you, but I love you." <laughs> so, <laughs> so she. You know, she says, like, they've both done monstrous things, but that doesn't make them monsters. Like, I don't know if they just have to see the good in each other and hold on to each other and they'll be fine. And they have, like, such a cute little moment. And in but that yeah, moment... like, yes, yeah, it's, it's cute. But I'm, I'm just like, that's an interesting question, though. How much bad can somebody do where you like, okay, this relationship not going to work? Well, let's talk about it. So the reason why Tig did horrible things because he was at war, right? Under right. normal circumstances, he wouldn't have done the things he did. And the reason why Gia does what she does is because she's a spirit, a vengeful spirit called a, Kimu, a Kim, 
Kumiho. So neither one of them are actually true monsters. They're just products of their environment. So if we really think about who's good and who's bad, at their core, they're good people. So, yeah. you know, and they see that in each other. Right, right. I but it is curious though. I do like the way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, but I do like the way they kind of bring up these these instances about how much how much are you going to accept? Because I feel like it keeps getting thrown at them as the episode goes. Like, yeah. when do you say, mm, "Okay, that's enough. I ain't right. got it. I ain't got it to take it." Right. So in this scenario, Tick will no longer be at war. So hopefully, he leaves that behind, and hopefully, um, you know. Gia stops murdering men and stealing their souls. Like, <laughs> I mean, she, she's been doing all right. Uh, so they they do finally uh, make love. And I think it was so funny how Gia's like, take it easy. I don't want to hurt you. Because you know she can really hurt him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that scene was funny. That scene was pretty interesting. I mean, it was, a, it was a cool scene, but it was just like, I don't know. I was so nervous in that whole scene because I just thought something was going to go wrong. I was like, right. this, this is not going to be well. This is not going to go well. She's gentle with him. She's she's in control. She's very mindful of herself. So she's able to hold back the tales. And I think it's probably her very first sexual experience, like a true, real love. Yeah. For the very yeah. first time. But I just like, oh, I'm just trying to kill this person. Right, exactly. So it's a beautiful, natural, cute, you know, I'm like, oh, even though I was team bloody. And you know, Team Tick, I kind of like you know Team <laughs> Tick, Team Gia. They're they cute couple, but we know it's, it's you know it's it's not going to last. So they basically fall in love with each other. They spend like the rest of their time together, and Uma is not happy. Uma's <laughs> like, "What are you doing, wasting your time with this man? Kill him already!" And she's yep. like, "Look, I'm not taking another soul, and I can still be human." I can still be who I am. You keep saying you're not my mother, but you are my mother because you summoned me. You've raised me all these years and you can't keep using this excuse that I'm a kumiho to not love me. Tick loves right. me. Young Ja loves me. Obviously, I'm lovable. Love me. And she's just like, peace out. Nah. So <laughs> you're just going like, yep. dang, she can't win for losing. So, you know, her and Tick, you know, end up playing in, in the Winter Garden. Um, and she actually reads him the story of the Kumiho, like what, what a Kumiho is, how it transforms into a beautiful woman, how it takes men's souls. Why Tick I just feel like he wasn't listening to Why does he never listen? I feel like every time somebody's giving him like clues and trying to break it down, it's like it's not, he, it it's, it takes him a bit. Like he's not there yet. It takes him a moment, like, right? I feel like, yeah, I'm like, come on now. Come on, Tick. Yeah. So he tells her, you know what? I have enough points to transfer out. I can go back home now. I want you to come with me. You know, I love you. We're not monsters. We can be good together. Let's do this. So of course, you know, when you're happy, you start, you know, making love again and whatnot. But she's so happy and in bliss that she forgets to control her tails. And yeah, them things pop out and she tries to hold him back, but they still leech on to Tick and she starts to see visions of his life. She sees him when he was a kid. She sees him getting beat by Montrose. Uh, she sees him going back home, sleeping with a random woman. So obviously, you know, he's not a virgin no more. And then she, she sees Luddy's face and then she sees him dying. So she somehow gets a hold of herself and she like, flips him over the bed so he escapes and he's like what the hell are you like negro those are nine tails you just read about a nine-tailed fox exactly she's she's yeah. a kumiho 
so she's like, look, you can't go home. You're going to die. I saw it. I saw it in my visions. And before she can even say, like, I'm a kumiho, which she does, he runs off, never to see him again for the foreseeable future. And, you know, so obviously at this point, she's devastated because the love of her life is going to die. And so she's crying in her room and Uma comes in and I guess she finally takes pity on her, actually realizes this is her child and she comforts her. So then she takes her to the shaman shaman up in the snowy mountains. And this is like probably the prettiest scene, the whole episode, just this beautiful snowy mountaintop. And then you see her walking up with her mother, the shamans outside, like lighting a fire. And then they see a fox in the distance, you know, her counterpart essentially. So she tells the shaman, she's like, look, um, the mother actually says, I will bear the cost for my daughter. I, whatever the price, I'll pay it. And the shaman tells uh, Gia, she's like, you stopped the 99 souls. So she tells her, like, I just want to know, you know, I had this experience with this person for the first time where I saw their visions and they died, but not at my hands. She's like, so is Tick going to die? And of course, in true uh, shaman form, she doesn't say anything. She's just like, you have not reunited with the darkness yet. You're going to see countless more deaths before your journey ends. And then the story ends. The movie ends. And that is my episode. Yeah, and I love that scene, by the way, that you talked about. That was the one I, once I was talking about where it was just like beautifully shot. And um, I had to ask Michael Watson about that, the cinematographer okay. on that one. Um, this one, I, I thought it was cool how he said, I kind of figured it was something a little extra going on here, but I thought it was cool how he was like the only thing that was, you know, real, you know, besides the actors was the actual ground they were standing on. Okay. So it was kind of cool to hear him kind of break down a little bit of the special effects and everything. But yeah, I just, I visually love, it's just amazing how they put all this together and everybody's well lit. You know, you know, you guys always know I talk about being lit when you are an actor of color. Yeah, that stuff makes me so mad. So yeah, I think they do such a great job in this series. But yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, scenes just to look at, like that we were talking about. So yeah, that was, I thought, I like that one. I ain't like that she didn't give us all the answers because I'm so curious about how things would have like turned out going mm-hmm. forward. You know what I mean? But yeah, right. that was a, that was a dope scene. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the visuals, especially at the very end. Um, and just some some fun some fun facts on this episode. Um, the director, her name is what is her name? Helen. Oh, me and my research. I'm losing my notes. But anyways, oh there it is. Her name is Helen Shaver. And she actually voices Littlefoot's mother. In Land Before Time. So I thought that was an hey, interesting... Hey, Land Before Time. Man, I haven't seen that in a long time. That was... Oh, man, that used to be the thing back in the day, Land Before Time. Yes! Speaking I just want to go watch that. I feel like I want to go watch that now. Yeah, That's so it. like speaking like of... Well, son and daughter, well, a, a mother with her young child by themselves out in the world making it, she voiced Littlefoot. You know, she's like, Littlefoot, go to the valley. Um. Anyways. Man, that's a movie right there, y'all. That, that is That's bringing me back. That's bringing me back. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I love the fact that there was this beautiful love story, but there was actually more than one love story. Um, I yep. do think the love between Gia and um, young young Ja was was true, whether it was romantic, whether you know, to take away what you want from it, whether they were romantic or platonic, they were ride or die f- friends for each other, no matter what. Right. 
Um, and uh, actually, I forgot to bring up the flashbacks that or the memories that Gia saw when she was essentially burrowed into Tick's spirit was showing uh, <laughs> Young Jaw's death. They like pulled her teeth out and who knows what else they did to her. So yeah, yeah. wasn't a big fan of Tick this episode until like maybe the very end. And even then he messed it up because he just ran out on our girl like that. Um, right. But we definitely got to kind of take a break from the madness that was Lovecraft Country and see this beautiful mm-hmm. side of the world and all these great actors and these great scenes. And, you know, ne- then I started Googling Kumihos after that. So I was really touched by this this episode. Next episode, it will be I Am. So we get to see like another bottle episode. This time we're going to see um, Hippolyta. And yep. hopefully by the end of this season, we will figure out where Gia falls into place with everybody else on this series yeah yeah you have any final thoughts ryan no yeah i I agree with you yeah this was a cool this was a cool little break um i will say i can we keep on emphasizing this whenever you watch this for the second time whenever you watch this series for the second time Mm -hmm. things definitely take a new meaning because i remember first seeing seeing this and i was just like what are they doing like what is happening but it was it is a cool it's a very nice little break from when you know what's coming up it's a very, it's a very cool little nice little break. So I'm appreciate it. So I'm, I'm saying it now that I appreciate this episode that I didn't understand the first time. Um, just like you said, it was, there was like a lot of romance. Like it was a good little breather. We get another mm-hmm. side of tick, you know, whether you wanted to punch him or not, it was still a cool side to, to right. get of him. So yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting going forward. Yeah. It's it, like I said, it's definitely in my favorite episode. It was a sense of peace and, um, yeah, it was a very, it was just like a nice break for me. Um, cause I know two episodes from now, I'm going to be traumatized. Uh, so I might have to revisit Meet Me and yeah, Degu. You know, there was a lot of blood of Meet Me and Degu, but it was nowhere near the horrors of Jigabobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. y'all, pre- please pray for me and Ryan. We actually do not want to recap this. We were hoping to yeah, see we- but we're going to do it for y'all. Yeah, you know we're going to do it for y'all, but whew, this is, we this don't is rough. If y'all remember, it's rough. It's rough. We don't want to. But you know what? We got I Am Next, and that's going to be a great episode. And that's we just, yeah. just going to have to just get it we, together. We just slowly, we slowly reeling it out. So we have to get to those to those heavy ones. But yeah, so we got well, we got another fun one coming up. And then it's about to get real. <sighs> we're just going to have to record in the daytime. It's going to be like, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely make sure. Yeah, definitely make sure that's the daytime that we, this uh, time that we said. Yeah, days, you know, daytime, high noon, so that I have the rest of the day yep. to like get it out my head. Yep, yep. Um, exactly. <laughs> but yep, yeah, hey, yeah, we gotta plan this out. That's how it goes. Who y'all pray for us? So, anyways, y'all, <laughs> <laughs> we thank you so much for listening. We'll definitely be back next month with another recap. We're gonna be recapping I am. Um, as always, you can follow us at Black Girl Nerds. Let us know your thoughts at Black Girl Geeks at BGM Podcast. Ryan is. November Bear on Twitter. November Bear and I am Angie the DA Cool Nerd on Twitter. So thank you so much guys and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.